Sugar Cat Chapter 3 Richard is seated at the big desk in his luxurious home study. Paige is sleeping, fully clothed, on his couch. The walls around him are filled with shelves holding thousands of engineering books. Dozens of financial feeds on a monitor next to Richard dimly show data from markets around the world. Richard is flipping through a large worn photo album. From time to time he glances at the feeds. When he does, some numbers seem to swim and change color. When this happens he reaches over, types something and the feeds change. The old-fashioned photo album he holds features yellowing pictures and sticky pages. It's almost an archaeological artifact at this point. In one picture there's the RV Eddie destroyed in his accident. Richard and Eddie are boys of 6 and 10 standing by a father whose hair has already gone gray. All three have a steel-eyed stare that makes you think they take everything seriously. In another picture the gray-haired dad is lecturing a class of young men in uniform. He's drawn some complex machinery and equations on a chalkboard. There's something that looks like an antenna reaching up to touch long waves in the sky. Richard examines an old newspaper article that's been thrust into the album. A large explosion has ripped apart what looks like a barn. The headline is Tragic Accident Kills Nine. Richard turns to a photo that shows him graduating magna cum laude from MIT. He turns the page again to find a picture of Eddie, smiling, graduating magna cum laude from Caltech. Richard closes the book, stares at it for a moment, then sets it aside. He looks back at the numbers sliding across the screen. Some flash in the characteristic way and he enters something on the keyboard. Almost all of the numbers turn green. Richard, freshly showered and looking his completely in control self, is back at work in his home office. His hands fly over his keyboard. The monitor is covered with hundreds of streaming and scrolling figures. In the lower right corner of the screen, there is a talking head. Did you send me those calculations I asked for? Do you have designs to match? I believe you have them, sir. Please check your inbox. Richard clicks something on the keyboard and engineering drawings come up. He's looking at schematics for a hydroelectric power plant. A buzzer sounds. Harold Wilde on the phone. Let me call you back, Tom. Richard terminates the call. Transfer him. Richard. I was very sorry to hear about your brother. Thank you. We weren't close. I think that probably makes losing him even harder. I am calling with some news that might be seen as a blessing. The board's decided you should take a leave of absence. Why? You can take some time to wrap up loose ends, vacation. When was the last time you took some time for yourself? Hasn't it been years? What's going on? Well, to be honest, we got a heads up from the Justice Department that Eddie Maxwell was on the domestic terrorist list. Homeland Security seems to think he might have been working on some kind of weapon. That's ridiculous. Eddie devoted his entire life to helping people. Those two things aren't mutually exclusive. Well, frankly, I don't understand what this has to do with me. In the current climate, while your family is under investigation, any transactions you are involved in will come under additional scrutiny. I'm sure our lawyers can resolve the matter, but we need a few days to untangle the mess. Richard sits back in his chair and closes his eyes. How long? A week? More like two or three. We'll let you know when it's okay to come back. The call terminates and Richard listens to the dial tone. Richard is seated at his huge dining room table in his huge sunny dining room. He is sweaty, dressed in running clothes, unshaven, morose, and bored. Paige walks through the front door with the mail. We see Eddie's package covered with its $1 stamps on top. She puts it on the table. Slides it toward Richard, and watches him look at it. What's that? Look for yourself. 
Richard picks up the package, turns it over, finds Eddie written in thick black Sharpie on the back. Richard slides it back to her. Throw it away. There's nothing we can do for him now and it will be something insane. Paige stares at him, picks up the package, tears it open. She pulls out a thick pile of pages, each covered from corner to corner in numbers. She flips through the pages, trying to make sense of them. See? Something crazy just like I said. Paige looks back inside the envelope, then dumps it out on the table. A brightly colored metal scorpion made of twisting triangles falls on its back. It instantly rotates its vertices until it is standing upright on eight sharp little feet. It is palm-sized and its raised tail features a black needle. Jesus. Even crazier than I expected. Thanks, Eddie. The scorpion runs toward Richard as if it is voice-activated. Richard stands up. The scorpion's head swivels to look up at him. Is it a toy? Richard moves closer to the table and stares at the bug. He cautiously extends a hand and the scorpion swiftly scrambles onto it. Richard turns his hand over and the scorpion adjusts its position to remain on top. This is actually pretty cool. I think the scales are computer chips and it's got an optical sensor that lets it see. Paige bends down to study the creature. She holds out her hand and Richard tries to drop the bug into it. Instead the little scorpion clings to Richard's hand. As Paige moves to grasp it, the bug backs away from her touch by going up Richard's arm. My new digital friend. I don't like the look of that tail. Clearly it's for children three and over. Paige, still holding the pages, looks down at them. She holds them out to Richard. So what's this? Richard takes the stack of pages, flips through them. Numbers and colors flash as his mind tries to make sense of what he sees. He looks away, weighs the document for a moment, then walks to a trash can and drops it in. He stares at it for a long time. Madness. You have no idea how insane Eddie could be. It wasn't all scorpions, sadly. He walks out of the living room into his study carrying his new toy. A game is on the large format TV that dominates the room. Richard sits down on the couch to watch it. Paige comes into the room carrying the thick stack of pages. She drops them on his desk. She comes to sit on the couch next to Richard. Then she looks at the scorpion. With a tentative finger she reaches out to touch it. It backs away again. She tries a second time, moving faster. Actually, don't do that. Paige moves very fast, bringing her hand down on top of the scorpion in an attempt to snatch it up. She screams and jumps. She falls off the couch. The scorpion remains to find near Richard's left ear. It shocked me. She holds up her hand and there's a burn in the middle of her palm. That's quite a jolt from a little bug. Richard reaches up to collect the creature from his shoulder. He turns it over and examines it from all sides while its legs wriggle. I wonder what it runs on. Who would make something like that? A fellow with advanced degrees in electrical and mechanical engineering. A PhD in applied science. And way too much time on his hands. For some reason Eddie probably thought this would persuade me to wait through that. He nods toward the pages on his desk. How are you going to get that off your arm? I don't know. Maybe it will go to sleep. The scorpion folds itself up into a cube and drops into Richard's lap. He picks it up and examines it from every angle. Wake up. The scorpion unpacks itself. Go to sleep. The scorpion folds up. Richard rises to place it atop the pages Eddie sent. He looks at Paige, noticing that she is staring at her hand. You will find my family is chock full of unpleasant surprises. Paige watches him return to his seat on the couch and she moves to sit next to him. He wraps his arm around her. She turns to stare at the scorpion cube. Richard is seated at his desk again. Paige is asleep on the couch in her pajamas, her laptop beside her, a blanket covering her feet. She fell asleep waiting for him to come to bed which is something he never quite got around to. Richard moves the scorpion cube to the center of his desk. He picks up Eddie's document and starts flipping through it. 
Page after page goes by and to Richard it seems colors begin to wash over them in every shade of electric illumination. After a couple of passes he realizes some pages are light brown, some dark brown, some green, some black. Richard weighs the pile for a moment, shakes his head ruefully, then rises. He walks into the dining room. Paige, the blanket pulled around her, comes into the dining room the next morning to find the table moved aside and Richard on his hands and knees positioning Paige's corner to corner on the floor. What is it? Richard looks up. An image map. You mean a picture? Richard nods. But it's all letters and numbers. Pixels. How many colors? 64. Richard takes a piece of tape and connects two more corners. What's it of? I already said. It's a map. Paige steps forward, looks down. Oh, an actual map. Of a place. I thought it was a code. Richard smiles. It is. Richard reaches the end of the row, stands up, stretches his back. I need coffee. Having moved into the state-of-the-art kitchen, Richard puts water in the kettle and then puts it on the stove. Paige sits in a chair. How did you figure that out so fast? You know that when I see numbers I see colors. Well, Eddie did too. Every family shares something. We shared synesthesia. That makes no sense to me at all. Richard seats himself in a chair. What color is Monday? I don't know. Blue? Tuesday? Maybe yellow? Three? I don't know. But you know what colors days of the week are. Blue Mondays. There's a song. Is there a yellow Tuesday song? Mom was a mathematician. PhD. Brilliant. Dad, an engineer. Military initially, nuclear then high frequency electrical projects. Eddie and I were freaks born to freaks. Synesthesia is the mapping of one sense onto another. He and I, like my mom, could see numbers as colors. Random numbers look like colored dots, but meaningful sequences of numbers look like colored streaks and steps and curves. Important numbers pop out. It's a kind of high-functioning autism, I suppose. That sounds like a drug trip. That's why I'm so comfortable dealing with markets. I'm not seeing the numbers, I'm seeing waves of colors. If I look hard I can make out individual numbers, but my brain automatically tries to see numerals as part of a pattern. I often see trends others miss. It's just a trick of the mind. Eddie sent me a message only I could read. And a toxic little toy. The teapot sings and Richard makes coffee for himself and Paige. Eddie sounds amazing. He was. And incredibly, fanatically, impractical. I'm going to read his message in a bottle. There's no reason not to. But that's as far as it will go. Richard drinks his coffee, then looks at Paige. Hurry up and get dressed. We have lots to do. Paige is kneeling on the floor using a marker to paint a sea of numbers brown. In the middle of the numbers she sees a collection of 64s. She colors in black creating a solid rectangle. She stands up, looks down, backs up. She joins Richard and together they study the map which seems to show a large flat mesa boarded on one side by a cliff. Black lines run across it. What are the white spots? Latitude and longitude in hexadecimal. Is that yellow thing a road? Richard collects his tablet from the study and returns to the dining room. He enters in numbers. They stare at the floor a little longer. Eddie literally sent me a map to the middle of nowhere in Arizona. We should go. The government says he was a domestic terrorist. But you know he wasn't and you saw him murdered. That I did. So I'll go pack and we'll go see whatever it was he wanted to show you. I guess I better fold out the map. See you in the car in 10. Circuit by Nancy Fulton. Story and voice copyright 2020 by Nancy Fulton.
All rights reserved. Produced by AudioIron.com.